here. Really quick, really quick review. 5G series, Grace, Grow, Gifts. And today, today we're going to talk about a gift. In order to set this up, though, let me kind of go back and talk about the th fact that all of us, no matter if you're watching online or no matter if you're live in the room, all of us have certain fears that we face. And some of our fears are rational fears, and some of our fears are irrational fears. Like, for example, a good example of an irrational fear would be my friend Logan, who this week we were all sitting in a restaurant, and there was a door kind of behind us, and she started freaking out, and we were kind of asking her, what's wrong? And she said, I feel like burnt fingers are going to come around the side of the door, and that's probably not going to happen. She's actually on the front row right now. That's probably not going to happen. That is a really awesome example of an irrational fear. It's just not very rational. And then some of us have rational fears, like, like me. I'm scared of snakes, um, spiders, and clowns. Um, and the reason why I'm scared of clowns is because there's something not quite right about somebody that'll dress up like a clown. I know churches that have clown ministries, and they should probably knock that off. Um, so anyway, all of us have certain fears that are rational and certain fears that are irrational. And one of the fears that I had for years and years and years is what I'm going to talk about today. It's speaking about the subject of giving and, and money. And let me tell you why I had this fear. Let me tell you why I had this fear. Now, I'm about, I'm 46 years old. I'm closing in on 47. So if you're around my age um, or a little older or a little younger, you'll remember this. In the late 1980s, there was a scandal in Christian world that actually affected um, the United States and the whole world in general. And it was, um, any of you remember Jim Baker, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? And it, it, was, it was bad. It was tragic because um, I believe they probably got into ministry with the best motives in the world. But um, they kind of went down a trail that, that wasn't good. And before you knew it, they kind of, they really took advantage of a lot of people. And so because of that, the fallout was horrible. And after that, Pastors didn't want to teach on money because if they started teaching about money, people could just point and go, oh, you're being like Jim Baker. You're being like Tammy Baker. And people would freak out, and so they didn't want to talk about it. So when I first got into ministry, when I first got into church, I started attending church in 1989. I, would, I started volunteering in a church in 1990. I went on staff at a church in 1991. And then I started my first church in 1999. Now, during all that time period, I was thinking about this as I was praying and studying for this message. During that time period, I probably heard le less than five messages on money. In over a decade, I heard less than five messages total on money. And, and because of that, I was scared to death to actually begin to teach on money because I knew as soon as I did, somebody was going to get mad. We actually got an email this week about teaching on money, and I hadn't even done it yet, so it was kind of weird. Um, but I knew somebody was going to get mad. I knew somebody was going to get upset. But I began to look about, I, I began to look at my financial condition. I began to look at the financial condition that people were in, and it, it was amazing. Money something we think about all the time. It's something that we stress about. Um, it's something that we worry about. But it was something that the church wouldn't talk about. And so I began to kind of begin to discover, am I going to live by fear or am I going to live by faith? And so diving into scripture, um, I, I discovered something. Let, let's say, for example, 
I preached on the subject of prayer today. I preached on the subject of prayer. Now, nobody would think that's weird. Like, if you go to church and they pray in church, nobody thinks that, that's weird. Hopefully, you don't think that's weird that we pray because um, we pray. And, and prayer is an important biblical subject. Now, there's about 500 verses in the Bible on the subject of prayer. Um, or let's say I talked about faith. You know, have faith in God. There's a, Hebrews 11 is all about faith. I'm all about faith. We believe in faith. We want to believe in faith. And faith is a biblical subject. And there's, about, there, there's actually less than 500 verses in the Bible on the subject of faith. But when it comes to money and possessions, there's over 2,000 verses. And so the Bible's not silent about the subject. And I just decided years ago, if the Bible's not silent about something, then I don't think pastors and church leaders should be silent about it either. So with that in mind, we're going to pick up Genesis 28 and the story of Jacob. And we said Jacob was a runner, right? Jacob was running from his family. He had deceived. He had lied. And he runs to this place called Bethel, which is, means house of God. So here's a runner who runs right into the house of God. He um, lays down, falls asleep, and he has this encounter with Jesus. And Jesus absolutely changes his life, gives him a vision for his future, unlike anything he's ever experienced in his life. And Jacob wakes up from the dream and goes, how awesome is this place? And then Jacob says some things that are so profound. Now, here's what's interesting. As I began to go through this particular passage of Scripture and list out why Jacob said he was going to be a giver, these are, these are, the, reasons, these are the reasons that I am personally a giver. These are the reasons that I give. Now, at the end of the day, if you give or you don't give, you at least need to know why. And so as I began to examine Scripture and Jacob's story, Jacob's story and my story kind of hold hands a little bit. And it's, it's powerful when you, script, you can see Scripture apply to your personal life. So I want to go through, and we're going to read starting in verse 18. And there's about five reasons that I wrote down that Jacob gives. And I want to list these out because I think these are essential for us. And once again, if you do or you don't, you need, you need to at least know why. G Genesis 28, verse 18 through 20 says this. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. Which, by the way, that's an act of worship. He called that place Bethel, which means house of God, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, now watch this. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So right here we see tithing given a tenth at the house of God before tithing was even established in the law. So it's pre-law, but that's a whole thing. If you're a Bible person, you can get that. If not, never, never mind. A lot about Jacob's story is true about my story. And I'm sure, I'm 100% I'm positive, it's probably true of your story as well. So let's go through the five reasons, the five reasons that Jacob gave and see if we can apply them to our own lives. The first thing that Jacob said, if you're, writing, if you're writing this down. Number one, Jacob said, if God will be with me. Number one, Jacob said, I'm going to be a giver. But I'm going to be a giver if God will be with me. Now, let's just pause. 
and ask this question. As you look back over your life, can you specifically identify times when you were absolutely sure that God was with you? I mean, as, as we look back, it's easy to see. Sometimes we get in the moment and we think we've been abandoned. And then five or ten years down the road, we can see that God was with us. But as I look back, just over the course of my life, I'm absolutely sure, 100% sure, that God has been with me. Even, even before I was born. Think, think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Imagine a, a, a woman who is in an abusive Relationship, And when I say abusive, I'm not talking – I'm talking physically abusive, like her husband would, would, would physically beat her. And the marriage was hanging on by a thread. She doesn't even have a high school diploma. She's about to leave her husband. They live in, they live in a, just another part um, of the United States, separated from her family, separated from his family. The relationship was as bad as you could get. And she winds up pregnant, 38 years old, about to leave her husband, physically abused, pregnant, without a job, without the means to support herself. And really well-meaning friends, when they talked to this woman, were telling her over and over and over again, you need to have an abortion, you need to have an abortion, you need to have an abortion because there's no way you're going to be able to provide for this child. But that woman didn't have an abortion. The reason I know this woman didn't have an abortion is because that woman is my mother. Before I was even born, Satan was trying to kill me. But before I was even born, God was with me. And that's just one example of story after story after story I could tell you about God's faithfulness all throughout my life. And as you look back on your life, listen, listen, this is, you might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you, you're, you're not where you could have been had it not been for the goodness of God in your life. Jacob said if God will be with me, then I'll be a giver. The second thing Jacob said, he said, and if God will watch over me on this journey I'm taking. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, God's got a really consistent track record of watching over me on my journey. And I was thinking about um, just a couple of examples this week, but one I, I wrote down. Um, my very first car that I purchased was a 1979 Buick Regal. Um, and it, that's, that's, and, and I bought it from a guy, this is not a lie, his name was Luther Bagwell. Um, and Luther and his wife, um, I just called him Mr. Bagwell, I never called him Luther. Mr. Bagwell and his wife had bought this car brand new. And so they were, there were some attachment issues with the car. Like when I bought the car, they were like, will you wash it? And I was like, yeah. And I did, I washed it once. Um, but I, I had this car and it was awesome until it wasn't um i remember i was there was this girl that used to cut hair and she was hot so i went and got my hair cut like twice a week um and i was i, I she walked me out from she just cut my hair she walked me out and i got in the car and i put it in reverse and the car didn't move 
And so I punched the gas and it still didn't move. And so I put it in park, put it in reverse, it wouldn't move. So I actually had to put it in neutral and push it out. This, by the way, the relationship at this point was over. Um, I had to push the car out. I got it home. And we discovered that the transmission was shot. Like the transmission was, was gone. And the problem is I had no money to fix the car. And so the next day, that was a Saturday. The next day was a Sunday. My dad had to take me to church and my dad drove like the gremlin. If you've heard me preach before, you've heard me talk about the bright orange gremlin. And so it was kind of like middle school when your dad took you to school. My dad took me to church and he's like, you know, dropped me off. And, you know, and it was kind of awkward. And I got out of the car. And the first person I saw was a, was a deacon named Carl, Deacon Carl. And, and Carl kind of met me in the parking lot. And he was like, your, your dad, your, your dad's dropping you off at church. And I was like, yeah, yes, he is. I'm a little embarrassed, and he was like, so why is your dad dropping you off at church? So I just told Deacon Carl. I was like, I didn't call him that. I called him Carl. I said, Carl, um, my car is broken down, and I'm not going to be able to fix it, and I don't have any money, so dad's having to drive me around in the gremlin, um, and it's kind of it's kind of awkward. And he was like, man, man, that's, that's, you know, that sucks. And I was like, yes, it does. And so anyway, went and kind of did my thing at church that morning. My dad came to pick me up, kind of like middle school, you know, and just kind of pulls up in the little gremlin to pick me up. And I go out to the gremlin, um, and as I'm getting ready to get in, Carl walks up, and he says, Hey, um, I was praying for you this morning, and I wanted to give you something. And he put something in my hand. And listen, I know how money feels. Like, I know how money feels, and it was money. So I never, ever, if somebody puts money in my hand, I never, ever look and see what it's like because I never want to go, oh, wow, or really, that's the best you can do. So I just kind of stuck it in my pocket, and I said, thanks, Carl, I appreciate it. And I sat down in the car, and I pulled it out of my pocket, and it was two $100 bills. And so I get out of my car and chase Carl across the parking lot. He was running from me, but let's be honest. He was a deacon in a Baptist church. I called him really quick. Um... And I was like, Carl, I was like, you can't give me this. And he said, listen, God told me to give you that. And if you tell anybody, I'll never give you another dime. And I was like, I didn't say a word, Carl. I mean, I'm talking about it now. But anyway, I mean, he's in Pickens. Let's be honest. Nobody in Pickens is watching online today. So, so, so I go home, and we kind of figured out, you know, what was wrong with the car. We got the car fixed that week, and everything was awesome. And by the way, just by the way, and I've never forgotten this, the price to fix the car Everything was $198.35. Like God gave me like $1.65 for gas money. And in the 1990s, they'd get you like 10 gallons. So it was absolutely amazing. But as I look back over my life, I've got story after story after story where God was watching over me on the journey that I was taking. And once again, you've got those stories as well. Where you needed somehow something to happen, something to break through, something to, someone to provide. And as you look back, the only thing you can say is, you know what? God absolutely took care of me. So that's, that's the second thing Jacob said. Number three, Jacob said, if God will just give me food to eat. Which for us, when we look at this, we're like, okay... I mean, run, run by McDonald's or run by Burger King because most of us have plenty of food. We've got food options at home. Um, after church, people go out to eat. We, we, our lives center around food. But in the ancient world, they didn't have Chick-fil-A. They didn't have Burger King. They didn't have, you know, whatever. And so they really did struggle 
with where was the next meal coming from? Most of us don't struggle with this, but as I was looking at this text, it caused me to remember, um, and most of you probably don't remember this date. Some of you weren't even alive on this date. December 31st, 1989. You weren't alive. Now, I just pointed at Logan, the girl that absolutely freaked out at the burnt fingers coming around the door. That didn't really happen. Um, December 31st, 1989. And let me tell you why I remember it so well. I had $5 in my pocket. That's all I had. I had $5. And my dad had no money. We lived in a trailer that we paid 40 bucks a week for. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, uh, and it was dinner time. And... We, we needed something to eat, but we didn't have any groceries. And when I say we have no groceries, I'm not trying to make this out. Work. We had nothing. And so um, I passed by a restaurant earlier, and I noticed on the outside marquee, it said cheeseburger plates, $1.99. Now, it, imagine a $1.99 cheeseburger. That's exactly what it was. But I was like, okay, I can buy two of those, have a little bit of money left over. And I kind of searched in my car seat and found a couple coins. You know how you always drop coins down in your car? And so... And I was able to kind of buy a couple cheeseburger plates and um, a two-liter Coke. And I went home, and my dad and I had the cheeseburger plates and a glass of Coke. And I went to bed that night literally not knowing where my next meal was going to come from. I had no idea. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but it's not fun. And, and listen, I wasn't even a Christian at the time, but I prayed. It's amazing how much I prayed when I wasn't a Christian. But I prayed. I was like, God, you got to do something. you got to help us out. And the next day, the very next day, um, I went job searching. And I got a job in a restaurant. And, and the reason I got a job in a restaurant is not because I necessarily wanted to work in a restaurant. It's because what do they have in restaurants? Food. And I could eat, and I could take some home to my, my dad. By the way, my dad got a phone call, random phone call from a family member we hadn't heard from in a while, um, and, and said, hey, why don't you come over for lunch? My dad went over to lunch, and the family member took my dad to the grocery store and bought some groceries that day. And I never will forget, I never will forget that moment. I never will forget what it's like when God absolutely provided something for me when I, could, I had no means to provide for myself. So at the end of the day, ask yourself this question. Has he given you food to eat? Has he given you food to eat? All your life, have you been taken care of? Have, has, he been, has he given you food to eat? The next thing he said, he said, God, if you'll give me clothes to wear. Now, let's be honest. Americans, I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but in America, we are the only people in the world that can walk into a closet full of clothes Look around and say, I have nothing to wear. I have nothing to wear. And it's because, and, and that's more women than it is men. And that's not a sexist comment. That's just a real comment. I don't care if you like it or not. Men don't care, right? Women have to dress how they feel. Men don't dress like that. Men are like, I feel like, yep, it's clean. That's how, that's how we pick out our clothes, all right? So, but, but once again, I was looking at this text and thinking about how Jacob, they didn't have like stores that he could go in and like pick out a robe and a sash and like a headband or whatever. They didn't have that. So he, he didn't know where his clothes were going to come from. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you didn't have a lot of clothes or not many clothes at all, but I know what that's like. When I first started going to church in the late 19, or 1989 and 1990, 
and became a Christian and I got really involved, I had one pair of jeans that you could wear to church. I actually wore jeans. Um, and two shirts that I rotated between every week. And I didn't think anybody noticed because I would rotate. I had two dress shirts that had buttons. I, had, I actually had two shirts that had buttons on them is what I had. Um, and so I'd rotate every week. And um, back in the day, in 1990, men, when they went to church, they wore coats and ties. Um, some guys wore polos, but they were liberal. Um, all, the, all the men that loved Jesus wore coats and ties. Ladies, some of you remember you wore pantyhose and um, the, and God help us all, like, aren't you glad we can wear jeans and t-shirts now? Anyway, so I had no church clothes. And so one night, I, I, one day I got to church, and the pastor said, um, can I see you after church? Which always freaks me out when an authority figure says, I want to see you. Because I didn't hear what he said because I was like, I'm in trouble. I did something wrong. I cussed um, in, in front of the pastor. I didn't mean to or whatever. And so I go and I see the pastor after church. And I, and I remember so he was sitting behind his desk. And I'm looking at him. And he says to me, you don't have any church clothes, do you? Now, for me, this, this, was, this meant I was going to get kicked out. This was... You're, you're, you know, we're, you don't have any church clothes. You can't come here. You're not good enough to show up. I thought this is it. it the church journey is over for me. I got to take my busted up jeans and my button up shirt. And I, and I'm not even going to talk about how ghetto my shoes were at the time. I mean, it was bad. And he said, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about you this week and I know you're going into ministry. And if you're going into ministry, you're going to have to have some, some church clothes. He said, so why don't you meet me? on Saturday and I'm going to take you shopping. And I never will forget that Saturday. He took me to, um, there's a place in Easley called Belk. I think there's like 12 left in the world, but he took me to Belk. He bought me, um, and I remember he brought, he bought me a, a blue blazer, two pair of dress pants, a pair of dockers, two ties and two dress shirts. And as I look back over my life, I, I, I God's provided for me. I didn't have clothes, and God totally stepped in, and he took care of that. He, so he did it for Jay, and I'm sure he's done the same for you. I'm sure there are things in your life that you've needed, that God's provided, that you can't quite explain. This happened to all of us at some point in time, and it's absolutely phenomenal and amazing when that happens. Um, the last thing he said, the last thing he said in verse 5, or I'm sorry, number 5, not verse 5, number 5, he said... If he'll return me safely to my father's household. In other words, he said, I'm, I'm running away, but one day I want to come back. And ultimately, I want things to just, I want to be restored. I want to be restored. And when I was looking at this particular text, I thought, man, that's, that's my life. You know, I'm playing a church. I'm, we're starting a church. We've got full Easter services. But in July of 2016, when I lost my job, I never thought I would preach again, much less pastor again. And God's brought me back to a place that I thought I would never be. And, and I'm sure he's done the same in your life. Where, once again, maybe things in your life aren't ideal but as you look back over the course of your life you would have to admit 
God is faithful. God is faithful. Now, Jacob said, God, if you'll do these five things, then, I'm gonna, then there's going to be two results. Number one, the Lord is going to be my God. In other words, God, if you'll do these five things, number one, you are going to be my God. I mean, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to follow you no matter what. And then the second thing he says is, I'll give, I'll give you a tithe. I'll give you 10%. I will give you 10%. And, and once again, I know we've been told, never tell God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. If you'll do this, I'll do this. I'm just saying, it's in the text. Jacob said, if you'll do these five things, then God, you're going to be my God, and I'm going to give you 10%. So at the end of the day, the reason I give, um, there's lots of reasons I give, but one of the main reasons I give are these five things. At the end of the day, God has given me way more than I could ever return to him. In fact, the Bible says one of the most, the most popular verse in the entire Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave. So at the end of the day, God's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done for us. So at, at the end of the day, that's, that's, this is the very first giving message I've ever preached at Second Chance. And the reason, uh, by the way, if you want to give at Second Chance, you can go to the Second Chance website. There's a little give button up in the right-hand corner. You can click on that and give. But the reason I would tell you when people go, why should I give to Second Chance Church? Well, number one, we are, we are planting the foundation right now. Ultimately, we're going to have a building one day. We're going to have a campus. Um, the first campus is going to be in Anderson. Don't know when other campuses are going to happen. Don't know where. Don't know how. We're just trying to get a church started right now. But we're going to get it started. We're going to create an environment where broken down, messed up people can walk in, where lost people can get found, found people can get grown up, the excluded get included, the gates of hell get pushed back a little further, and God gets the glory for it all. That's given a second chance church right now. That's what you're helping us to get established. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you're watching and you're not a Christian, Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your life. And the reason he wants your life is the same reason he wanted my life, the same reason. It's because he knows he can do more with your life than you can do on your own. Jesus has better plans for us than we have for ourselves. So with that in mind, the question is, if, if, if you're a Christian, have you put Jesus first in this particular area of your life? And if not, today's a great day to start. And if you don't know Christ, the question is not have you given, will you give Jesus your money? But today, would you consider giving Jesus your life? And with that in mind, let's, let's close in, or let's have a word of prayer. Let's all pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you that you're a good God and that you love us unconditionally. God, I want to pray for that person out there today, God, that might be in difficult circumstances. God, that they would take the stories that they've heard today and just be reminded that you are faithful and that you faithfully provide. And God, you might not do it immediately, but you always come through eventually because you're faithful. Father, I pray for the person um, today that's never given their life to you. God, they, 
they, um, for one reason or another, they've resisted. They've said no. They've had their hands. They've had a hands distance. But maybe today, God, they've realized that it's not about what they do, but it's about what you've done for us on the cross. And today, Jesus, or today, Jesus, I pray that you would speak to their hearts and remind them that you don't want anything from them, but you want to give them hope and peace and eternal life. With that in mind, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're watching today and you've never prayed to receive Christ, I want to invite you right now to do so. Right where you sit, right where you are, if you're in a car, if you're in a living room, if you're in a coffee shop, you want to give your life to Jesus, right where you sit, I just want you to pray in your heart, say, Jesus Christ, I confess you are Lord. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take control. I love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, if you just pray to receive Christ, um, I want you to do me a favor. Normally we have the hand raise button, but we had a couple issues this morning. And so I want you to email me. Shoot me an email, prayer at perrynoble.com. Prayer at perrynoble.com. Shoot me an email and let me know that you prayed to receive Christ because we want to celebrate with you. We want to help you take your next step. Um, we want to do whatever we can um, just to listen because heaven's celebrating. So we want to celebrate, all right? So shoot me an email and let me know. And, and for those of you that are asking about Easter services, once again, 6 o'clock on March 31st, 9.15 and 11.15. We've had a lot of people ask, are we going to broadcast the services online? The Sunday services will be broadcast. The Saturday services will not be. Um, and and when people ask why, I don't, that, that's just what we decided. That's why. Um, but Sunday, Sunday, 9.15 and 11.15 will be broadcast online. We know there's a lot of people on the waiting list, so we're aggressively trying to figure out how to get more and more and more people um, to the Easter service and keep us in your prayers as we're doing that. And we'll see you next week as we finish up the 5G series. I hope everybody has a phenomenal week. And remember that no matter where you are, that the best is yet to come.